Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr., bringing you a solo episode today. And I hope you're doing well out there dealing with this virus that is just going all around the world and um, shutting everything down. Holy mackerel. Or maybe you're listening sometime in the future and everything is fine once again. So I hope that's the case wherever you are that uh, that you're well. Today, we're going to talk about how do they do it? Like these world-class performers, the people you read about in history books, the people you who are setting records in professional sports and the Olympics and, and uh, in business and in any other industry, entertainment, you name it, right? Um, the Elon Musks of the world, the Richard Bransons, the Michael Jordans, Bo Jacksons, Tom Brady's, Thomas Edison's, right? These folks. I'm going to even throw in there Tim Ferriss because uh, Tim Ferriss, I'm actually interviewing him on Monday, the day that this episode drops and goes live. I'm interviewing Tim Ferriss. So I'm pretty excited about that. Obviously, a, a world-class performer. If you don't know who Tim Ferriss is, um, I'm sure you do because you're listening to podcasts. But he has a huge podcast and a huge brand, written several, I don't know, four or five best-selling books. Just uh, an incredible human being and, and thinker. So I'm super excited to uh, to have a conversation with him to dive deeper, even deeper into this topic. Like, how did they do it? Um, you know, talking about the, the COVID-19 that we're all dealing with right now, it's like, I, I know one thing is the folks who I talk to who are successful are looking at this in a unique way. I think there's a big part of the world who, who isn't looking at it like this. And I think maybe most people, but I'm lucky and blessed enough to be able to surround myself with a lot of world-class performers and elite performers and, and successful people generally at what they do. And they're seeing this as an opportunity and it's wild, right? We're, we're all in the midst of a crisis, but those who are seeing this as an opportunity are going to be the ones who I know who are going to come through this better, right? They're setting themselves up for success either now or more likely down the road in the future. I know I certainly am, right? Just reaching out to people, providing value, helping, lifting other people up when and where I can. One of the ways that I do that is through my free clarity calls. So if you haven't taken me up on that, uh, you can certainly do so. Just reach out and go to jimharshawjr.com slash apply, where you can apply for a free 30-minute coaching call with me um, just to break down your life and, and where you need clarity. It's, uh, it's always a valuable experience. But how do they do it? How do these elite performers do it. I've experienced some of this myself, so I'm going to speak some from personal experience, but also just from you know thinking about all the amazing people who I've interviewed, um, as well as studied, researched, etc. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about all of those different sources of information that um, that I'm bringing to you today. So all right, so how do you do this? I'm, I'm looking back on my life, and I, and I I remember you know when I was competing, right? When I was, when I was an athlete, like how did I go from not getting on the podium in high school, like not even getting on the podium, not even placing in the state championships, let alone forget about winning the state championship. I didn't even finish in the top six. And how did I go from that to being one of the best in the nation at what I do or did, uh, as an all American division one, all American wrestler, uh, and ranked on the U S Olympic ladder? Like, how did I go from that point, you know, a mediocre high school wrestler to uh, an elite college wrestler. Um, and then also, how did I go from, you know, working a 60 hour a week job with a wife and four kids and building a real business on the side, like not a fledgling little business, but like a, an actual real business, a viable business? Like, how did I do that? Like, 
and listen, I'm not talking about like, you know, Elon Musk, you know, I didn't exactly colonize Mars yet, but, um, but these were huge breakthroughs in my own life that I learned from. And then I start reflecting and seeing some of these things taking place at, at a much higher level in the, you know, like I said, the Elon Musk's type of the people of the world. So let's break that down. Like, what are the things that they're doing? Like, how do they do it? Right. You know, just thinking of other examples that that are kind of good stories for you to to listen to and think about. There's um, there's the story story of Eric Weinmayer. Eric is one of the few people on the planet who has summited Mount Everest and whitewater kayaked the Grand Canyon. He summited Mount Everest and he whitewater kayaked the Grand Canyon. I mean. Who does those kinds of things? Like both, either one of those is is a lifetime achievement. Uh, and I'm not when I'm talking about whitewater kayaking the Grand Canyon. I don't mean just the, the area where you can uh, commercially raft it. I mean he hit the biggest, uh, the biggest what, what is sometimes considered unrunnable whitewater in the Grand Canyon. Like who does one of those? Let alone both of those. Oh, by the way, Eric Weinmayer is blind. He's blind. He can't see. He lost his vision at age 13. And if you want to listen to that interview, I actually interviewed Eric back in episode 96. Um, so you can, you can actually hear his story and just be inspired by him uh, as much as I am. But how do people like that do it, right? Back in 1954, there's a little young girl who was born into a, a poor African-American family in Mississippi. Her parents divorced shortly after she was born. And she went off to live with her grandmother. And then she moved to another state and lived with her mother for a while. And then she moved to another state, lived with her father for a while, and then back with her grandmother. So she bounced around a lot as a child. She was sexually abused by trusted family friends. She was raped by her cousin. She was pregnant by age 14. There's no hope for somebody like that, you think, right? I mean, how do you break out of that cycle? How do, you, how do you break out of that just to live an average life, let alone a successful life? Well, this individual who I'm talking about, you and I know her as one of the wealthiest and most recognizable women in the world, Oprah Winfrey. Like, how do they do it? Like, how do these people break that mold? How do they, you know, not get stuck or stay stuck where you might be stuck in one area or multiple areas of your life right now? How do they, how do they do these things? How do they... How do you get to that elite level? So, all right. So, I'm going to give you several things. Actually, I'm going to give you, let's see, eight. I've got eight bullet points written down here that I want to cover for you. Number one, I remember when I was wrestling, I would go to bed. This is especially later in my career. I did this more consistently. Uh, I would go to bed and I would visualize every night. I would visualize myself in these really hard wrestling matches, right? I should say really important wrestling matches, like like the big ones, right? Like the ones that determine if you're an All-American or not an All-American, right? And I would see myself in these matches and I would visualize three different ways. I would visualize, number one, I would visualize myself stepping on the mat and just dominating from whistle to whistle, just dominating the match, right? And then I would visualize it again. I would visualize another match and I would, I would, I would see that I would, it would be a battle from beginning to end. It would be back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And in that emotional roller coaster that would go on, I would visualize that, right? And then I'd visualize a third scenario where I would start the match and I would go out and I would get thrown to my back immediately and I would be losing five, nothing. 
and I would have to fight and claw back the entire match, right? I would get an escape, and then I would get a takedown. That made it five to three, and then he would get an escape. Now it's six to three, and then maybe he would even score again somewhere along the way, and you know I'd have to battle back from eight to three down, whatever it is, and I, I would visualize this, these obstacles, right? And I would see myself and feel, and I, I should say that's probably the most important word that I will use in this entire episode, I will feel how it feels when I go through that and conquer that. Feel how that feels. Live from that place. And, and when that time came and those big matches came, I, I was able to, I, I was there. I'd already been there. Like I'd experienced that many, many times before. Um, just came across a quote recently from Arnold Schwarzenegger. And this is, goes back to that, that feel part that I'm talking about. He, um, Obviously, just an elite performer at everything he's done, right? Um, but he, he talked about how he had this this idea of in, in his mind about this guy, Reg Parks, who is sort of his, his role model, right? His hero. And, um, and he just felt like he could grow into that person, right? He was that person, and he felt that. He just had to, to do the work to get there, right? So he had that vision. And then later in life, as he got into politics, and I guess before that, got into entertainment, he says this, this is his advice. He says, what you do is you create a vision of who you want to be, and then live that picture, get this, live that picture as if it were already true. As if it were already true. When you feel that, then those things begin to happen. And I'll share a Bible verse where I see this come true as well. And this is Mark eleven twenty two. He says, uh, uh, Jesus says, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Now here's, here's the crux. Get this. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Believe that you have received it, right? It's the same thing as Arnold Schwarzenegger's talking about. Live that picture if it were, as if it were already true. And this happened for me. It happened for me not just when I was wrestling, but when I was building this business. You know, it, it's impossible really to build a viable real business on the side when you're working a 60 hour week job and you have a wife and four kids and you also want to stay fit and healthy and maintain balance in your life. It's impossible, right? Yeah. If you believe it is, then sure. It's, of course it's impossible. If you believe it's possible, then sure it, it's possible. It can happen. Right. And, and that's the place that I lived from. And I felt that. And I visualized that. Uh, Bo Nickel, and, and sorry to use another wrestling example, but Bo Nickel is this NCAA champion from Penn State University, just an elite wrestler, uh, one of the best in the world at what he does. But, uh, and he's one of the best pinners in the history of the sport. He said that he visualizes himself before every wrestling match. He visualizes himself pinning his, in, his opponent 12 or 13 different ways. Get that. And then he says, usually one of those 12 or 13 ways is, is, is how I end up pinning the guy. <laughs> right? He visualized. I mean, this is real world stuff. Like this isn't some, you know, woo-woo out there kind of stuff. Like this is real world. This is, this, is, this is actual stuff that happens that elite performers do. So that's number one is visualize. Right? Number two. Elon Musk, I talked about, you know, I talked about him, you know, I just think I'm fascinated with sort of him and his story and, and sort of just his, his visions, right? Um, 
I read an interview a while back where he talked about colonizing Mars and, you know, through, with, through SpaceX. And he talks about colonizing Mars as if it's just something that they're, they're doing. Not as, it's not a hope. It's not a wish. It's not a dream. It's just, it's something they're doing. Like, what about you? What about your goals? What about the things that you want? Are they just, are they hopes? Are they wishes? Are they dreams? I encourage you to try this. I encourage you to try converting your language into something like Elon Musk does. Convert it into something you're just, you're, you're doing it. it. It's a thing you're doing. And now, you may not believe it, right, when you say it, but I just want you to give yourself permission to try that language on. Give yourself permission just to, just to let go of any judgment of those words that come out of your mouth and just say it. I mean, you can hit pause on this episode right now and, and just, just say it out loud. I am this, right? And be that person now who's doing that, right? Helen Maroulis, I interviewed her back in episode 143. Sorry, another wrestling example. Sorry, that's my world. <laughs> but she's an Olympic gold medalist, first ever Olympic gold medalist from the United States in women's wrestling. She had a mantra that she would say. She said, Christ is in me, I am enough. Christ is in me, I am enough. And if you actually get the action plan, if you go to jimharshajr.com slash action, I have the link to a YouTube video of her wrestling just prior to the uh, Olympic gold medal finals against the Japanese wrestler Yoshida, who's the most decorated wrestler in the history of the sport, male or female. And Helen had to beat her, had to go through her, right? And... Helen was nervous. She had anxiety. She had fear. She had self-doubt, like all of us. This is, this is the best in the world at what she does. And she has this, right? She has these, these doubts. So she used what I'm talking about here in number two, affirmations and mantras. She used a mantra. Christ is in me. I am enough. And you can see her standing in the tunnel before she comes out onto the mat saying these words. You can read her lips. Now that I told you, you can go watch this video and read her lips. Again, episode 143, or you can just grab the action plan to episode 143. Just go to com slash action, and you can grab that. All right, so that's number two, affirmations and mantras. Like the words that you use, that's how they do it. They are using words that are in the positive, in the affirmative. They are doing something. Okay. It's not a hope. It's not a wish, not a dream. All right. That's number two, affirmations and mantras. Number three, they, let me give you some examples before I kind of share this with you. This Wayne Kurtz, I interviewed Wayne Kurtz back in episode 47, way, way back episode 47. Wayne Kurtz is a triathlete. He's a goal setting coach. And he talked in that episode about how he was in college and he learned about like uh, uh, marathons He's like, wow, okay, you can go run a marathon. Then he learned about Ironmans and triathlons. And, and so he trained for a triathlon, and then he did an Ironman, and then he learned that there's something called a double Ironman. So he did two Ironmans. And then he learned about something called a triple Ironman, and he did three Ironmans, back to back to back, like three Ironmans. Is that insane or what? Yes, it is insane. I'll answer my own question. And then he learned about something called a DECA, DECA. 10 Ironmans, an Ironman a day for 10 days. Like, absurd, right? And then after he did the DECA, he, the guy who, who hosted that, and obviously there's just very few people in the world who would ever even consider something like that, right? And the, guy, the organizer said, well, wh what's the limit? Like, what's really possible here? 
Is it possible to, to do a double deca? A triple deca? Like three, two or three of these in a row? Like, could you do 20 straight days of Ironmans? 30 straight days of Ironmans? Well, a couple months after that race, the, the DECA, Wayne got an email from the organizer. He said, hey, I've got a place. We're going to set up a triple DECA. Well, Wayne signed up to do it. I, I, got, I may have, my, my numbers are probably a little bit off here, but I think there were like 60 people who ended up signing up and committing to trying something like this. Only there, like I said, there's only a handful of people really in the world who would even consider this, right? 60 people signed up. I think it was eight or 11 right around there, uh, finished. Insane, right? So Wayne did this. He did an Ironman a day for 30 days. I mean, talk about maxing out your possible potential. He did it, right? One of the few people in the world. Now, of course, there's, uh, there's the Iron Cowboy and there's other people who have done, you know, done that, and uh, which is just absurd to think that there's more than one people per person who's done that. And uh, there's a guy who did, you know, the Iron Cowboy did... 50 Ironmans, an Ironman a day in 50 days in 50 states. Um, but listen, you know, so Wayne Kurtz, amazing. And what does he do? He, he actually writes down his goals every single day. Every day. Doesn't miss a day. I just talked to Mark McLaughlin, who's the author of Cognitive Dominance. He's also one of my clients, coaching clients. And I interviewed Mark back in episode 223, if you want to go check that episode out. But he's a neurosurgeon and just uh, an incredible individual. But we had our coaching call this morning. And actually, last night, he texted me a picture. He wrote down his micro goals. He's like, here's, you know, sent me a photograph of his micro goals, his goals for the month. And he had them, has them written down, and he keeps them on him. Kyle Dake, again, another wrestler. This is my world, so I'm going to use this example. But there are examples in all different walks of life. Four-time NCAA wrestling champion. There's only been, what, three people, I think, who have done that. And he is the first ever to do it in a different weight class every year. He went up a weight class every year and won the national championship. I mean, insane. You just don't do that. What did, what's one of his habits? He wrote down his goals every morning and every evening. Every morning and every evening. He wrote down that he was going to be an NCAA champion. Like, who does this? Who does this? Well, elite performers do. They write their goals. That's number three. They write down their goals. I mean, literally have a written, written goals. They write them down. They don't just have them in their head. They write them down. All right. That's number three. Number four, when you look at a list of the best athletes in the world, historically, you will find some names that you recognize. When you look at a list of the worst performances and records for the most losses, most defeats, most setbacks, you're going to see some of the same names. Who do you think has the NBA all-time record for most shots missed? The late Kobe Bryant. Who do you think is the all-time Major League Baseball pitcher with the most losses? Cy Young, they name an award after him, right? If you look at a list of the top 10 worst performances, top 10 worst performances by an NFL quarterback, top 10 worst performances by an NFL quarterback. Are you ready? Guess who, whose names you're going to see on there? Joe Namath, 
Peyton Manning, right? What do you think about when you have a terrible performance at something? Are you saying, I'm just not good enough, not smart enough, not capable enough? Or are you thinking, maybe, maybe, maybe I could be the greatest among the greatest of all time at this, <laughs> right? You're probably not thinking that, but you know what? You should be. But that voice, that, that voice of self-doubt is probably dictating your thoughts, but it shouldn't be. So number four is remind yourself of others who have failed. Remind yourself of other colossal failures who have found success. And that's, that's this podcast, right? That's, that's listening to this podcast. You're going to get that. Every time you hear an interview, when, I'm, when I talk to Tim Ferriss next week, I'm going to ask him about failures. All right, so that's number four. Next one, number five. You have plenty of reasons why you can succeed. Think about these elite performers. How do they do it? They have plenty of reasons why they can succeed. They also have plenty of reasons why they could not succeed, right? They don't have the education. They don't have the background. They don't have the connections. They don't have the money. They don't have whatever it is, or they're facing insurmountable odds. Oprah Winfrey, right? They know they have reasons why they can succeed as well. Think about you. Think about what you have going for you. What do you have going for you? Is it experience? Is it background? Is it tenacity? Is it connections? Is it where you live? Is it, what is it about you? Right? Is it that, unlike Eric Weinmayer, uh, maybe you have your vision, <laughs> right? You got that going for you? Okay, that's a start. Do you have examples where you've succeeded in the past at anything, right? Do you have any compliments that you remember having received in the past? Have, have people said things about you that were complimentary? Successful people, game changers, world-class performers, they remember these things. You can keep a success log, a log of your successes, a log of the reasons why you have potential to succeed, and you can keep a log of compliments that you've received from others, right? Outside input. So keep a success log. That's number five. How do they do it? They remember their successes. Short-term memory of their failures. All right, number six. Listen, there's going to be ups and downs. Right now, as I record this, we're in the midst of the dealing with the coronavirus, COVID-19. It's hard. Listen, it's hard. I talked about this being an opportunity right now. Um, yeah, it's an opportunity. Is it hard? Yeah, it's hard. So was wrestling, right? So was you know, achieving those goals and, and dreams that I had for myself. That was hard too. I had to deal with illness. I had to deal with injury. I had to deal with setbacks. I had to deal with breaking up with a girlfriend at that time. I mean, there are things that, that set you back that are make, make things harder, right? Things you don't sign up for. You don't choose. But you have to understand there's ups and downs. And that failure is, is the path to success. Whenever you fail, you hear the little words of self-doubt in your head. Well, you have to correct your language. You have to understand that there are seasons of life. That's number six. Understand that there are seasons of life. There are ups, there are downs. That's a fact. You may have a good day and a bad day, good week and a bad week, good year and a bad year. That's part of it. 
Adversity will come, adversity will go. Things will work against you, things will work for you. Understand that there are seasons of life. That's number six, all right? Number seven, sometimes you just don't feel like it, right? Sometimes you just, you're not feeling it. Well, that's the same with these world-class performers. You want to know how they do it? They do it. They do the thing. Like they mechanically do the thing. They don't wait for the motivation. If they say strike while the iron's hot, no, don't don't strike while the iron's hot. Like don't don't wait for the iron to get hot. Make the iron hot by striking it. Heard that one from Jared Kamar. Don't wait for the iron to get hot. Make the iron hot by striking it. Mechanically do the thing. You want to be getting motivated? You want to get energy? Like do the thing. So often we don't want to work out or we don't want to, you know, start, you know, making the the sales calls or do the thing. We don't, we don't want to do it. We don't feel like doing it. So we don't do it. We have to be mindful of that little voice, that resistance that's stopping you. It's the start that stops most people. So mechanically do the thing. Okay. I need to make phone calls. I'm going to pick up my phone. I'm going to put my fingers against the screen. I'm going to start dialing right? Mechanically do the thing. I, I don't feel like working out. I'm going to walk to my dresser. I'm going to open the drawers and I'm going to put on my workout clothes. Mechanically do the thing. All right. That's number seven. Number eight, this one's going to be a weird one. I'm going to throw a little curveball at you here. And I talked about this once on an episode a while back and I looked this up. Here are some names of people who use this technique. Tiger Woods, Kevin Costner, Barack Obama, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholas, Sylvester Stallone, and the list goes on and on and on. I, I just grabbed just some of the most recognizable names off this list. I mean, there's many, many more here. All elite performers. Now, you know, you may not agree with the politics of Barack Obama. You may not, you know, agree, obviously, with, with some of the things that Tiger Woods has done uh, that's come to light. But you can't deny the fact that these are just people who have accomplished huge things, Right? And that's what we're talking about. So put everything else aside for now. World-class performers, they all have this in common. They've all done one thing. They use a practice called hypnotherapy. Hypnotherapy, okay? My, you know, my vision of, my, my first encounter with hypnosis was with the University of Virginia, my First, first year, freshman year in college, uh, and the, like the first week of school, every year they bring in a hypnotist and he stands on stage and he, hypnot- he pulls students out of the audience and he hypnotizes them. Some of them won't, can't be hypnotized, so he sends them back and he brings up like 20 and sends 10 of them down back into the, into the audience and the crowd. And he hypnotizes the others who are left up on stage. And he has them clucking like a chicken and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And it's bizarre, right? And I always thought that's what hypnotism was. Well, what I've come to learn about hypnotism is that it's actually, it's none of that. And I'm going to learn more about it actually specifically because I'm going to interview a hypnotist here real soon and, uh, and bring that episode to you so you can learn more about it in terms of a, a mindset tool. So keep an eye out for that episode coming up here in a few weeks. But how can you use this, right? How can you use this as a mindset tool like these other elite performers have? So um, that's something that I actually... I uh, decided to do last year. I did three sessions with a hypnotist and it was awesome. It was just 
I had particularly one very big breakthrough that just freed me up from a story that I've been telling myself for years. And um, so I, anyway, I encourage you to at least, you know, give that a thought. But and it's really not even about that, that one thing, hypnotherapy. It's about opening your mind to ideas that will allow you to reach your potential, right? How do they do it? How do these elite performers do it? They do certain things differently. That's a fact that most people aren't willing to do. Right, everything I just told you, these these eight things, they kind of fall into a framework. And I, well, they don't kind of, they do fall into a framework. And I'm going to give you what that framework is, and they fall under what I call the environment of excellence. And I talk about this in episode 152. I actually, talk about it a little bit more recently here in episode 230. Um, and that episode's called P2 plus E2 equals S2. So productive pause. PP, P2, equals, uh, sorry, plus E2, which is environment of excellence, equals S2, which is your success doubled. And so I talk about the the environment of excellence in both of those episodes, but episode 152, more directly, I talked solely about the environment of excellence. And what is the environment of excellence made up of? Four things. Number one, media. Media. This is external media, but also those internal messages, right? External media being, you know, the books or podcasts you listen to versus, you know, the negative news always pounding us, especially these days, uh, but also those internal messages like visualization. Uh, number two is A for area. Uh, um, just learned this morning, actually, in a conversation with, with Mark McLaughlin. He was telling me about how Bruce Springsteen, before his shows back in his green room, he has these pictures all uh, along the wall and mirror of inspirations, people who are inspirational to him, inspired him and inspire him in his career. And he, he draws energy from those before he goes out and performs. Like that's his area, right? What do you do? Look at your area around you, right? Around your desk, right? Um, do you have your goals posted? Do you have things that motivate you? Do you have, shoot, just healthy food, glass of water as opposed to a soda, right? Uh, healthy snacks as opposed to candy or junk food, right? That's area. P is for people, you know, who are you surrounding yourself with, right? Getting, getting around other people who are either number one, doing what you want to do, or number two, believe that you can do it and can help you. Like Eric Weinmayer, you know, he got around other climbers and kayakers and people who could help him, right? Um, they certainly weren't doing what he wanted to do because he's blind. They, they weren't blind, but these are people who could help him, right? Um, and S is for speech, right? And this, like I said, this may be the most important because when you, cre- when you use the right language, you can create the right feelings like Arnold Schwarzenegger did and does, right? You feel those things now, feel those things happening. So that's the framework that kind of encapsulates everything that we just talked about. Those eight bullet points that I just gave you uh, are encapsulated in that framework. So I'm going to real quick review of those eight bullet points. Number one, visualization. Number two, affirmations and mantras. Number three, writing your goals. Number four, reminding yourself of others who have failed. Number five, keeping a success log. Number six, understanding the seasons of life. Number seven, mechanically do the thing. Don't wait for the motivation. And number eight, hypnotherapy. All right, and they all fall within this framework of the environment of excellence, which is M-A-P-S, media, area, people, speech. If you got any value from this episode, I encourage you, please give it a share. Just tell people to go to jimharshajr.com slash 243 or tell them to check out episode 243 on their favorite podcast platform. You can get the show notes and the action plan from this. Just go to jimharshajr.com slash 
action. And as always, you can uh, you can book a time for a conversation. If you want to get some clarity in your own life, especially right now, go to jimharshawjr.com slash apply. And uh, if there's space on my calendar, you can go ahead and, uh, and snag your spot. I look forward to talking to you. And as always, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success.